From a brief vacation uh, where, you know, I, I didn't get enough sun because I, I had to watch some movies for this podcast. I, there's no time off here. There's no rest for the wicked. Uh, joining me this week, though, Adam Myros. Uh, yes, Steve. I'm here. Yeah, you are here. Uh, what are your thoughts on me just being a tan Adonis right now? I don't know. if You, you must have really oiled up if you got anything approaching a suntan. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I, I got a little red. I, I don't tan. It's, it's red or it's white. There's no in between. Uh, Jack Eason, Irishman. Have you ever gotten a tan before? Yeah. Yeah, I have. I've actually full uh, of shit. went through, went through a phase uh, where I was running a lot in Kentucky and yeah, I built up quite the farmer's tan. It was, uh, it was kind of eerie, but I assume Steve, you're always oiled up, right? Whether you're going outside yeah. or not, you're ready. You're ready to slip and slide into, into all the action. Oiled the fuck up, my gold sparkling speedo, just just ready to go, man. That's a Steve I know and try not to talk to too often. And yet here I am. Yeah, yeah. You ever seen the movie Sexy Beast? <laughs> <laughs> that was about that was about you. They changed details to protect you. That's it. Yeah, but I mean, it, I'm there's really very little in terms of the difference between myself and Ben Kingsley. So think about that for a bit. Uh, also joining us, Jake. Trapila. Jake, how you doing? I'm doing well, Steve. How are you? Doing well, man. We, uh, we brought you in as, as our expert here. Uh, or, I mean, I was excited about this, but the little grumbly Gus is over here. The, the fucking grumpy leprechaun and his, uh, his plus-size pal are probably going to shit all over these incredible films we watched today. But you're a big Urban Legend fan, aren't you? I mean, broadly speaking, as a, as a thing, you like Urban Legends. Yeah, and in fact, it all stemmed from the first movie that we'll be talking about. I watched this, and I just became fascinated with urban legends as a young kid. I bought a large book, which I then found, and uh, yeah, I was kind of reliving some of my uh, favorite stories. But yeah, I love uh, love the gross outs. I love the horror movies or the horror stories. They're all uh, they're all a good time and a fun read on a, an impressionable youngster like myself. So um, mm -hmm. yeah, I was very uh. And then once I heard what the potential topic was for this week, I mean, Jack and Adam, how, how could you not be excited to, to talk about the Urban Legend trilogy? I, I would on. say I, I would say it's because they're all bad movies. Yeah, I was kind of excited until I started watching <laughs> these movies. Then my excitement oh, immediately drained away. Snobs. Cultural gatekeepers. <laughs> I, I watched. I watched the first Urban Legend. I've seen it at least twice prior to this podcast. So that one was kind of like you know I didn't like it back then, but I'm a different person now. I'm much more attuned to slasher movies. I, I've really they've really become a favorite of mine. So let's try it again. Maybe maybe I, I misjudged it. No, it's worse than I remember. And then I'd never seen the other ones before, and they're all fucking worse than the first movie. So, yeah, it's... Um, actually, that's not true. Part three arguably is the only memorable scene out of all three of these films, but we'll get to that. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I had probably seen the first two at some point, but I, after Boogeyman, uh, I, was, I was on board. I was like, okay, maybe I've got... Uh, I've reached a phase in my life where these movies are going to strike a, a chord with me and, and I can just enjoy them for what they are. And in fact, no, 
These, these movies just suck. <laughs> well, I think, you know, part of, part of the issue here is, uh, now, I, Jack, correct me if I'm wrong, Myros, you too, but both of you guys, you, you don't like the Scream series very much, right? No, not not a fan of that either. Yeah, no. I know that's more contentious than the urban legend franchise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, I'm trying to get you guys fucking buried here. So, uh, yeah. So, but it, this is important because urban legend, the film, is a really early example of the scream knockoff. Uh, I think the other the other major one being I know what you did last summer, but that's which, at least uh, that's still mm-hmm. Kevin Williamson, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Which this mm-hmm. is this is not. <laughs> well, I mean the the pony has one trick, yeah. uh, in terms of his talent and what he can do, and I mean good on him. Can you imagine like the first screenplay you write is fucking scream, and then you sell it to Wes Craven? Come on, like. I'm just realizing how contentious it must be. I'm like, I don't really like Scream, but Halloween H2O from Williamson, actually a movie I'm quite okay with. (laughs) I have my I have my preferences, apparently. (laughs) It's good. It's good. Uh, Yeah. You know, I would say most people would probably say that the the quality of his of his screenplays kind of declined after Scream. But uh, Jack takes a totally different perspective. yeah, but but this is kind of a fun movie for me, at least, because I'm not a, a, a bad person with poor taste. Uh, it's fun just as a Scream ripoff, because Scream, of course, is a, a movie where uh, there's a little bit of, of winking at the camera, because the idea is uh, you've got a whodunit kind of slasher, which is very much grounded in reality in the sense that uh, it's it's not like a Friday the 13th or a, a Halloween or, you know, I, whatever, a, a Nightmare on Elm Street where there's there's real supernatural elements to it. Uh, Scream was always just it's just a guy with a knife. Uh, well, un, until like five and six when there's some weird like ghosty bullshit going on. But we're not talking about that. Uh, so there's that element of it. And then, of course, there is the fact that uh, it, it introduced the world to. Uh, meta horror and i i realize everyone's screaming at me right now because they're saying yeah but what about uh west craven's new nightmare yes 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 this is like an evolution of that and uh I, I, there's plenty of earlier examples too but this was yeah we refer one. you back to our coffin joe series mm-hmm. yes very mm. much so uh the difference being scream went on to i mean it was like transformative for uh just film in general, horror movies, culturally, uh, to the point where it feels like we're still kind of stuck in Scream world. You know, the slasher reached that point, and once it began gazing back on itself, it could it could never look forward sincerely again. Uh, so we entered an era of basically these these self-aware slashers. And this is where urban legend comes in now the difference between urban legend and scream is scream would always talk about horror tropes and horror conventions and you know oh you know and and black people always die and don't have sex or you'll get killed and all of these these little things these rules finger quotes uh but it wasn't like they were actually 
reenacting scenes from classic slasher films, right? Uh, it, it was just taking place in a world where people were aware of these other movies. Uh, Urban Legend says, no, that's that's too complex. We can't have people just aware of these things. We actually we're just going to we're just going to do the urban legends. That's <laughs> that's what we're doing. So the trade off here with these is instead of having a killer and a, a cast of victims who are aware of urban legends and what they mean, it, it really is just a killer reenacting these things. And as a screenwriter, I would imagine that's great, right? Because you really can work backwards here. <laughs> you pick your favorite urban legends, you you lay them out there, and then you just figure how how are we going to get from A to B to C? What's the connective tissue? And, and that's all you do. And you shoot it in a similarly slick style to scream, and all the beats play the same. It's just a whole hell of a lot dumber. And that is how we get to urban legend. Now, before we get into the movie, though, and Jake, this is more of a question for you than anyone else. Plus, I don't even care about the opinions of, of Jack or Myros, because as we've established, they're wrong. Uh, but when I think <laughs> about urban legends now, it's almost like they can't exist anymore because of the Internet, which sounds silly at first, because the Internet is a giant space where uh, bullshit just gets churned up and, and distributed in a constant cycle, whether it's, you know, people who are full of shit or conspiracy theories or, uh, you know, AI dupes of whatever. But the idea of something that's really like rooted in folklore that can just organically spread around and become an unspoken truth or a story that you feel is, is somehow rooted in reality like that can't exist anymore. Meanwhile, back in the mid to late nineties, find me a middle schooler who did not believe that Marilyn Manson had his lower ribs removed so he could suck his own dick. And we don't have that anymore, do we? No, you're right. It's a, it's a dead art form. There's uh, it's always, you know, two people away from you. It was like my neighbor's cousin had this story happen to them where they were eating this chicken sandwich and they, it had mayo on it and they didn't want mayo. Then they discovered, Oh no, the chicken had a tumor and it was pus and they had to get their stomach pumped. You know, that mm -hmm. shit like that, it's like people would just call it out immediately. There's there's the we're living in the the picks or it didn't happen generation. And then even then now you get AI picks, as you mentioned, and it's all <laughs> it's all. uh Yeah, it's all you, you cannot create these stories anymore. It's just people spreading their own bullshit online mm -hmm. and it, it, it doesn't work. It's not as well done. I, yeah, I think no, you guys there's are, no, uh, you're really underestimating like or, or overestimating. I'm sorry, like the, the gullibility of the Internet generation, because. Well, A, I mean, the, the whole fake news epidemic, I think anyone uh, over the age of 50 is susceptible to believing any and all things that they read online. Um, <laughs> Basically, yeah. the news is urban legends yes. now. <laughs> and, and I think oh, you, okay. it has clearly evolved to some extent into stuff like, uh, obviously, your creepy pastas. I'm, I'm sure mm -hmm. plenty of eight-year-olds believe in Sonic.exe. Uh I mean, <laughs> Slenderman has at least one death under his belt right, right, so far. Yeah, yeah and stuff yeah. like No Sleep, which is, is quite uh, sort of consciously trying to uh, strip away the author and make it uh, from like a, a realistic perspective. Um, so I, I think it continues. I just think that it obviously has evolved. And I think even when we're talking about this movie in the 90s, 
Uh, it, it, it feels kind of absurd that this is set on a college campus. That's, it's just, it, it shouldn't be a teen horror, frankly. It should be like a kid's horror movie or something, because it, it's asinine <laughs> to believe that Robert Englund has to tell his, his college students at this elite New England uh, college that uh, pop rocks and soda pop won't kill you. No, man, it killed Mikey from the Life Serial commercials. Yeah, you know that. Yeah. That, that yeah. <laughs> it just does not feel authentic to like a, a group of twenty somethings. It's it's a little off with the age range to me. Sure. Well, no, a twenty something in the late nineties is very different than a twenty something in in twenty twenty four. That's so I I do buy the college campus college college campus setting for Urban Legends one through I guess two. Do they go to college in the third one? Yeah, yeah. Know. Well, and, and I just want to say, school, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's I guess right. the third one is high school. Uh, another reason why Myros is wrong is he he seems to think that Tara Reed and Joshua Jackson are smart people. So, uh, you know, that, that says a lot about him. Uh, but yeah, I know I, I do think you have a good point there, Myros, in that it, it, it persists in a way, but it's it's so fundamentally different to me because there is an easy way to verify things even if people aren't doing it they just don't care um and and that kind of like oral tradition and inability to look things up uh that that's gone because yeah i mean if if somebody told you some bullshit in 1998 what the fuck are you gonna do to prove them wrong <laughs> there's really nothing you could do what are you gonna yeah, walk over and grab your encyclopedia britannica <laughs> we've we've entered this amazing era because i mean i think for for a while probably around time when we were all in college there it was it was pretty good that you could you know you you could like have um first people people would tell you bullshit and you could look it up and no but now we've looped back on that and now there's so much counter bullshit that it really it's like so much noise online that you can't prove anything anymore. You can't find anything on Google. So we may be entering yeah. the new age of urban legends. Yeah, there's just no truth anymore. Everything is shades of fiction. It's really comforting. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess I guess we should talk a little a bit about the actual uh, movie itself. And Another reason why, and I, I do want to say, despite the fact that I enjoy talking shit to Myros and Jack, um, these these movies are, well, the first two are fine, uh, not great, but they do have this kind of like warm, late 90s nostalgia for me, because aside from just being like a blatant scream ripoff, uh, it really does check off every box for for late 90s slasher. So uh, I, I think my favorite thing is at this point, no one was trying to make anyone in their slasher film even remotely likable. Like that was not a concern. Um, now that's a primary concern because uh, every little dipshit teen is just like, Everyone has to be nice and no one can have sex so that 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 kind of drives uh, how the characters are, are kind of constructed. But here it's like Joshua Jackson is a dumb piece of shit who is like going out of his way to to like mislead a girl who is traumatized so he could fuck her. Uh, there is a, a frat boy guy who looks like he's 37 years old, who's a colossal piece of shit as well. His girlfriend, played by Tara Reed, is like a horny college radio Fraser Crane. 
uh, where basically people call in and ask her sex questions and she calls them like dick sucking whores. Um, I think she's more of a Howard Stern, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe a little more Howard Stern. Yeah, era appropriate. <laughs> but it's it's almost refreshing because I, I don't think a single person in this movie is likable, uh, which is good, too, because there isn't a lot of tension in urban legend uh, or for that matter, stakes. So you, you just kind of get behind them all getting hacked to pieces, which I'm fine with that. Yeah, I'm going to jump in and, and I'm, I'm well, while you can argue whether or not these movies are good, well, fine, you you know, spend all day doing that. I don't that. think you I, can argue I, that, I, <laughs> you, there's, there's a fan base out there for at least the first two. There's, you know, there's a healthy amount of three, three and a half stars on my letterbox mutuals. People like these mm. movies, but but I jumped on this episode because it, I knew it was going to be an easy time. This is like a dream OV episode where there's nothing, nothing like three hours long. Nothing maddening and obscure that'll melt your brain. This is like, oh, just take me back to that warmth of the mid-budget, late 90s slasher film where everyone, like Steve said, it's a piece of shit, but they're memorable, and there's a kill every 15 minutes, and you don't have to do any heavy lifting. The movie does that for you. You just cruise through the end, and I don't know why we were not, we would not champion doing an episode like this sooner uh, this, is, this is this is this is i cannot i cannot believe you guys sounded you're texting us you're sounding miserable yeah. watching these movies and i'm like i i just don't i just did not have that experience at all but I, please, this is what i expected jake your sales pitch is exactly what i was hoping for but in the end i would rather watch like the three like 140 minute David Packard movies that absolutely will melt all of your senses <laughs> out of your skull. I, I don't know. Something about these just, uh, man, I thought it was a huge chore to get through three of them. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's coming to me like, I, um, I think I was trying to work out why I dislike the first movie so much and the, the sequels kind of fall into place behind it. And I think it, it comes back to a lot of, like Steve's, talking about, you know, Scream and this kind of layering of irony on top. And I think, really, it was, I mean, the 90s slashers have a bad reputation anyway. It was like, Scream re-enervated the, the slasher. And it did as, a, as an industry, but not as an art form, I don't think, and not as a successful film venture. I mean, you know, I think the 90s is still a major dead spot for good slasher movies in the early 2000s even more so up until present day i'm trying to think like what are our great slasher movies now they're not not many of them they're thin on the ground after the 80s there was that wonderful explosion and i i think the part of it is really is the irony it's the scream was an interesting idea and i i don't want to shit on screen too much i have my issues with that film but the idea is sound and the idea is interesting this metatextual twist of a uh, horror literate crowd invested in this kind of um very derivative repetitive genre style which is the slasher love them or hate them slasher movies tend to be very repetitive very rules driven they're they're very they're very formulaic films uh, which is something i've grown to really enjoy about them because that means what the formula brings and what you move around within it is is the the meat of the exercise and what i find with i was trying to figure out like what do i really dislike about urban legend and what i really dislike i kind of summed up as like a lack of eeriness and i think it's this is the the legacy of the the ironic kind of insider wink slasher 
is that there's this kind of mythic status when you take a slasher movie and you have this kind of series of movies that are all repetitions and, and echoes and, and reframings of the same things where, you know, everything is what it is, but it's also something else. It's also kind of to a grander kind of tradition. And when, when slashers take themselves seriously, even when they go bonkers off the wall, even when you're going into like fucking Friday the 13th part seven, there's still this kind of lore and this kind of like uh, kind of packaging and structuring that really supports everything and kind of allows you as the viewer to have your mind wander into different crevices and different ideas and view all of these films in conversation with each other. Scream severed that debt. It, Scream is the crushingly literal film. It is a film that basically extracts the ideas, lays them bare, the, the structure, and basically talks around the structure of the film. And when Scream did it, fair enough, it was the first one to really do it within that mode, within that traditional slasher mode. There were other films that had done meta-textual twists on horror, as we discussed, but Scream was really the first one to do it that, that I'm aware of, like, within the traditional slasher mode. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just, it's troubling because it really cuts off all of the possibilities and the interests of... And the, the incongruities and the, the strangeness of the slasher movie in its incredibly focused, formulaic structure of a bunch of people fighting for their lives against like a random killer in a random location with unknown intentions or absurd intentions and so on and so forth. And Urban Legend is that, like to me, to watch it, it is just this crushingly literal boring film about a bunch of non-entities and it's not that these characters are they're, they're all assholes sure they're not people they're nothing they're 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 not emblematic of anything they're reconstituted like because in earlier slasher movies it was like a reconstitution of these kind of socially identified social groupings but by the time urban legend comes around it's a so it's reconstruction of the reconstruction it's just, yeah. uh, they're they're somewhere they're just even just totally dead eyed nothing kind of figurines. Hey, Jack, and, yeah. listen, there's some there's some real fleshed out characters here. We've got a girl who uh, is horny. We've got a girl who has horny and crazy eyes. We've got sassy black woman who plays a, a officer so, of the law. God bless sassy got, black woman because she reminds me I could be watching coffee. A great movie. <laughs> Jared Leto, Ace Reporter. Uh, we've got who, who else? Fucking Joshua Jackson, Sex Pest. Uh, who plays the, the super duper old frat boy? Whoever that guy is. Uh, 40 year old uh, Michael, frat boy. Michael Rosenbaum. The yeah, guy who Michael gives Rosenbaum. The, the, the beer bong to his dog and then gets the, the Drano down his throat. Mm hmm. As you do. Uh, yeah. And, and what's his character? Uh, Sex Pest. What what else we got? Uh, the fucking uh, what is it? Uh, the guy from the Terry Gilliam movie, uh, John Neville. Uh, shit, what? Uh, the what is he? Oh, Baron Munchausen. Right, oh, yeah. Yeah, Baron Again, Munchausen. Steve, I I question if part of your your feeling with your your relations to these characters and your enjoyment is stemming more from the fact that you grew up recognizing them yes than from oh, anything no. the film in fact that's a hundred percent it that's i mean that's it i'm not gonna i'm not gonna deny that uh but it it is fun because it just just the way that all of these characters are 
just the movie itself is hyper literal and all of these characters are so stocked to the point of they're they're almost caricatures uh, i i love the dean where basically every time a murder happens he's just like nope not a murder this is we're gonna cover this up it's just like the, the most cynical shit of all time which somehow gets more cynical in the sequel and i'm sure we'll talk about that <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I I took a lot of joy out of that. Uh, but Jack, I, I think you are onto something with the Scream franchise. So obviously the first movie is sort of hyper aware of of horror movies. And then you get to the second and it and it kind of turns inward even further in, in Scream 2, where they're filming a movie about what happened in Scream, in the universe of Scream, and so on and so forth. And Scream to its credit, it's always been a movie that has been about whatever is popular in contemporary horror, at least up until part four, uh, where, you know, it, it was kind of about the, the torture, porny, hardcore gore stuff that was going on. And then after that, the wheels just sort of completely fell off because now it's like, what's Scream about? Scream's about Scream, I guess. I, I don't know. Uh, whereas here, you've got all of this folklore in the background but because the movie is the most literal shit ever it really is just sort of like window dressing for these kills it's it's almost like all of your 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 action scenes are pre-written for you you just pull them right, out of yeah. Jake's uh Jake's book on urban legends you drop them into the script copy paste good to go uh but yeah is did i still have fun with it yes and it was so easy to digest my god very easy like to fucking, digest. No, no yeah. denying that. So easy to digest you, that it's I like passed it about three days ago and can't remember a fucking thing about it. <laughs> I mean, baby food also famously easy to digest, <laughs> yeah. but I'm not eating it on a regular basis. Well, one of, if at all, I think one of my central issues here is like, and again, the movie's exited my brain. It's gone. But like, what are the fucking urban legends in this movie? Like, it feels like. A lot of the the good ones, they're already movies. You know, you've got your when you stra <laughs> when a stranger calls. Yep. Uh, you've got, I see the hook hand is is always the first thing that comes to mind for me with the urban legends, right? The the two teens necking it to make out point and the hook hand killer, blah blah blah. That's like the urban legend, and I don't think they could do that because I, I know what you did last summer is a hook hand. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah. they're they're kind of like doing these B and C tier things, the things that just made up. Like I, I just like four people get killed just by a, a guy with an axe in this movie, and uh, uh, the Drano. <laughs> well, I remember that classic oh. urban legend, Drano. <laughs> no, I mean that's a fun <laughs> that's, one. That's because a Clockwork Orange thing, isn't it? I think was wasn't the the copycat violence from that. I I feel like there's some meta textual element to that, but but like everything else in the, it's Drano mm -hmm. and Pop Rocks because they know they demonstrate that soda and Pop Rocks won't kill you, but maybe some actual something with like bleach in it and Pop Rocks that'll do some damage. Why? Well, I mean, Drano <laughs> will kill you. I don't think the Pop Drano Rocks. Will kill you. <laughs> well, the Pop Rocks make it fun though. It's that like you don't, you don't exactly exactly yeah. right, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like, do, do I need a bedazzled baseball cap? No. But does it make it more See, fun? See, I my disagree. Baseball cap you, is and what you need yes, is, is something from the chemistry lab that will 
react with the pop rocks in such a way as to explode the person not just drain like right yeah but they don't <laughs> have the fucking drain creativity drain or budget it's a little, to have it's a flourish man. that i appreciate <laughs> but but it's yeah a, yeah i think this, this yes the drain alone part, would kill him part of my issue with it which is just yeah like it's it's it brings up the urban legends, but it brings them up almost in this like rote reportage fashion. Again, there's no there's no broader sense of threat or anything. It's all personalized around this one girl, the the lead character who you know is actually you know what was convicted for whatever negligent manslaughter or whatever, and so she's like living that down, and it all kind of descends out from that as like you know. But there there's no. There's no society in this film, first of all, to really, like, weave through any kind of tension of urban legends. And, yeah, everything just becomes kind of raw reportage. It's just sort of like, have you heard of this? It's like, yeah, I have. Thank you. Thank you for letting me, reminding me of this urban legend. And then, you know, it, and this was even worse, probably in part two, even those things like, I think the Drano, if I remember correctly, does partially, I think someone killed someone or tried to kill someone by making them drink Drano in the wake of a Clockwork Orange. And I think I think it was mm -hmm. one of those was why Kubrick uh, withdrew it from the UK. Um, that was, you know, was a copycat violence element. Uh, so there's the, within that, there's kind of a reference. There's also um, a, there's an overt reference to blowout in this film as well, where they have uh, they're listening to some song and a woman's screaming on it and some guy in the party remarks like that's a, w a real scream from a 911 call you know and it's like okay so i can see i'm film literate that's that's blowout but like what does it mean what, what no that's an actual uh that's an actual that what was believed to have been an urban legend from the song love roller coaster where after the second chorus you hear a woman scream in the background and the urban legend was that they were recording this song while they were shooting the album cover which is a nude woman covered in honey and the legend was that the honey glued her to the glass, and when she tried to stand up, it ripped her skin off. And that's that <coughs> scream she lets out is what got captured on the song. That's uh, the see, urban legend. There's an enormous see, amount. I got, I got all of these, baby. Okay, yeah. Maybe you fucking read a book, Jack. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. We know. I withdraw my comments about people being more fucking or being like just as as uh, naive now as then. There's no way that shit would pass <laughs> no, muster now. Sorry, no, you're no. got glued to glass with honey and ripped her skin off <laughs> while they were live recording <laughs> the song for the album. They just on were the shooting shoot. the fucking <laughs> album and recording yeah, it yeah. in the same room. That's an incredible. Of things. But okay, mea culpa. Fair. That's that's an urban legend I wasn't familiar with. It seemed like a, a blowout reference. Part two is worse for this, but it's kind of like, hey, you know this thing? We do. End of story. <laughs> and it's, it's just a thing that kind of just irks me because it's like th these films are written by people who clearly have some knowledge of the surrounding elements they're working with. Fucking do something with them for Christ's sake, but they won't. It's the oh, come on. There's, there's all kinds shit. of. I, lo I love the uh, the the fucking organ removal shit, which is a classic one. So good they me. do it in two movies because they're yeah, just yeah. running out of urban legends by fucking. Oh, well, they part didn't. Two. They Everybody didn't get to loves do it. the organ removal. Yeah, is that in this yeah. movie? Yeah, yeah, that's the yeah. plan at the end. The the killer is going to do it and gets interrupted. Ah, mm -hmm. yeah. She stabs yeah. her, and yeah. Um, and the opening scene of the movie is uh, basically uh, just a very uh, that's a that's an urban legend. The yeah, killer that's in the back a classic. Scene. That's a classic, yeah, and also that, probably the best scene in the film in the with franchise. Brad I would say easily the yeah, entire the, franchise. Oh, sure, <laughs> it's a stand. Yeah, yeah. for those who don't know, yeah, a woman is at a gas station. The attendant notices someone is in the back seat of her car. 
calls her inside of the gas station, locks the door, and calls the police under the guise that there was something wrong with her credit card. And the reason is there's a killer in the backseat. The, the movie spins it because the gas station guy is played by Brad Dorif, who we all love and who is really good at looking creepy. And mm-hmm. he, his character is inflicted with a stutter, so he can't quite spit out what the issue is. And the woman thinks she or he's trying to kill her when in reality he's trying to save her. So and that's 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 our opening scene. And then she's killed with by the killer. So she does not get away. And he's convicted of it for some reason. I would think he would have an alibi of being at the gas station where there's the security cameras. But but I don't know. This is that sort of movie. I I don't know. I I don't have any fondness for this. To be fair, Adam, this is a series of movies where in in part two, at one point, they have everything on security camera and a security card goes, yeah, you see, I do look at the security guards or the security cameras like I do my job. And it's like, yes, this is after one person has been murdered on security camera and no one noticed. Yeah, because she was watching like like, Foxy Brown. (laughs) Yes, she was. Or or Coffee again. I don't remember. I think it was Foxy Brown the second one, wasn't it? Again, bad idea in movies to remind you about better movies. I just feel don't do that. Don't make reference. Well, like, that, don't tell me about coffee while I'm in the middle of watching fucking urban well, legend. That's going to be a major problem with the second movie. But there are uh, <laughs> yeah. myriad major problems with the first. Hey, you ever heard movie. of Hitchcock, a man who never made a movie as bad as Urban Legend Two? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, buddy, Urban Legend Two is a stone cold classic. I wonder. Well, Myros is—he's just a luddite. We're not going to talk about him. He—he he probably grew up fucking churning butter in Bay City, Michigan. So he—he uh, he didn't get exposed to these things. But I wonder how much of this is like American folklore versus the bullshit that that Jack grew up on, uh, because a lot of it transfers across. Uh, like okay. a lot of the, the urban legends. Like we, I uh, mostly urban legends of this. I'm obviously a misty the Red Hot Chili Peppers one. Uh, but mm-hmm. I think most of this certainly pop rocks the backseat killer. The did you guys have the ankle thing. slasher like the the, uh, the oh there's a, there's going to be a yeah, guy yeah, someone, underneath your car yeah yeah okay. yeah that that's that one trans although that I one figured is, all the knife based ones would work for you since you did grow <laughs> up in Limerick right it's <laughs> yeah no I mean with uh, no no such savvy I mean just you take it to take it to the chest is that even honest. is this even a, a, an urban legend though it's like one of those things yeah, you hear no, like they, hey there, there's guys they say under the car and they'll cut your Achilles. That's not much of a fucking legend right there. Again, that's spinning. The urban legend. That is. I guess. Not, that, not uh, just that. I mean. A, boy, that is a sentence. All, all kinds of. It's not much of a creative There are all thing. kinds of variations of the car one where they're in, either in the back seat, they're under the car, or in some cases they're on the mm-hmm. roof of the car and a motorist will pass by and say, hey, I'm driving. I'm going to drive in front of you. Copy what I do. And then the guy swerves maniacally and that shakes the, the villain off of the roof. So yeah, there's all kinds of uh, all kinds of okay, calls. I'm, I'm gonna incredible. give you guys the benefit of the doubt on the Achilles slash, even though it's it's like a single sentence and not a proper story in any respect. It, it, to me, that's like the extent of someone saying like, "Hey, they're gonna fucking inject you with fentanyl if you, if you've got this piece of tape on your car door or something." Which yeah, well, oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, no, that's the same shit. Yeah. That's that's like but it, I, yeah, I in terms of gullible example. modern populations, it's now you just drop. A fucking candy wrapper by someone's car and now they're gonna think that they've been flagged for human trafficking because that <laughs> shit's going around oh yeah no no, no. And, and that's that's it it's like it's less american folklore urban legend type stuff now and it's more like 80s satanic panic everybody's trying to fuck your kids bullshit it's it's insane like i, I was talking to my my niece who is going to like a small 
private college in fucking Steubenville, Ohio. And she's like, oh, no, there's there's a lot of human trafficking here. And a lady came <laughs> to our our campus and talked to us about human trafficking. It's like, oh, no, guess what? There's actually not a lot of human trafficking in fucking Steubenville, Ohio. <laughs> yeah. Population, <laughs> middle class to wealthy white girls. Nobody's fucking stealing. I mean, you. where would they traffic uh, them to? There's not like an airport. Yeah, where, where are you going? <laughs> They're going across Cleveland? the Mexican border from Steubenville. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's fucking stupid. But what there are is there are like right wing cranks who are obsessed with that shit. Um, but it, it also, this is all kind of an extension of a, a lot of the like racist urban legend shit. So there's all the gang ones. It's just like. Oh, watch out because black people are going to put fucking acid in your in your candy or give you temporary tattoos that have acid in them. So don't accept gifts. It's like, what are you talking about? Or and, and this is a big point of the first urban legend movie, but they do the the gang headlight thing. And I swear to God. Anytime as a teenager, when I would when I would go off driving, my mom would constantly remind me, she's like, don't if you see somebody with their headlights turned off, don't flash your lights at them if you're in Detroit, because then the, the bloods and the crypts will murder you. <laughs> no, I think just a fucking racist idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Which is an interesting one and to the build this entire film around. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's, let's get, I do want to bring up the one good thing in Urban Legend, okay? Which mm -hmm. is the goth roommate. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we we love the only, only good thing in the movie as far as I'm concerned in their well, enormous dorm room. you qualifier, but the goth roommate does kick ass yeah hanging out on her uh, goth for goth dating website username gloom for you <laughs> listening to what like monster magnet oh and stabbing westward uh, yeah, which yeah. which started off a lively conversation because we did some research in this and did did you guys listeners know stabbing westward have been around since 1985 somehow <laughs> no, <laughs> fucking blew my mind more than anything else that's the best thing about watching this movie is they sent me down a hole like well what is stabbing westward about were they always shitty turns out they were um, but I listened to their first album for like 1994 and it sucks shit and they still suck shit in 98 or 99 when this came out but they've been around sucking shit for way longer than I thought they like hung out with Ministry they could have copied good bands <laughs> doing stuff but they chose not I to don't, I, I like how they're from the exact same music scene as Ministry and started around the same time and their entire career is probably just defined as opening for Ministry <laughs> right <Yeah>. like <laughs> Unbelievable. Incredible. But yeah, goth roommate for life. Uh will will fully support that part. Yeah. If if you if you're a fucking uh horny goth girl on the internet right now, uh remember your roots, okay? The 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 people who blazed that fucking trail for you. And it was this it was this girl in her fucking chat. If room. the music is entirely accurate, is Rob it Zombie isn't. and Monster Magnet are, are not what I associate as a gothic <laughs> music, but you know. Close enough. I, mean, I think it shows the enough, attention yeah. of detail that the urban legend movies really have aspired yeah. to throughout their I run. I mean, we could have got Marilyn mm. Manson, you the typo negative, stuff like that. I I think Dave Weindorf and his monster magnet D side here probably is not what the goths were jamming on in, in Y2K. Yeah. Uh, two more quick things before we move on to urban legend. Uh, one 
the horrific miscasting of Jared Leto as a like sympathetic student journalist, like muck raker guy. I, I don't know what he's doing here, but he's fucking horrible. Um, his haircut is insane. Uh, he, he looks like I don't I don't fucking know. He, he looks like he owns a lesbian bookstore somewhere. It's just <laughs> the it's the bangs are, are what's doing it for me. I, I don't know what the fuck's going on. One, one good thing is he apparently hates this movie and he doesn't like to talk about it. So if if I ever happen to be stuck in an elevator with him, I know exactly what I'm going to fucking r- rattle on about for as long as I possibly can. I was say, it's probably the yeah. only thing that I have in common with Jared Leto. <laughs> <laughs> how could you how could you do suicide squad and be mad at anything i don't know i it's this. it's hard to say um i i do want to say too that i i mean for people that i just don't like any of their work if if i like sat down in a bar and, and jared was next to me i would have to talk about this like i would have to say something i'd just be curious how he would react um but yeah i don't know there's the, you know there's just like some people where you recognize them but you're like what would i I, I don't want to say hello to this person. I'm just leaving the fuck alone, because what are you going to do? So, for instance, uh, I was just in Palm Springs and walked in the hotel, and there is fucking Bruce Valanche. Now, do you say hello to Bruce Valanche? No, you don't, because what do you talk about with Bruce Valanche? I, I, I would say the most interesting thing about him is I believe he is the most recognizable man in the world in in the like the hollywood sphere in the hollywood uh, square you is the hollywood square no. <laughs> uh who you, you can't name three things that he's done like what has he done hollywood squares he's written for the oscars name one other fucking thing no i got nothing <laughs> you got nothing exactly <laughs> bruce valanche is just one of the people who i know the name and i know nothing else about he's him. probably got about yes. 500 writing credits at imdb but i couldn't tell you any of them <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, she only has 92. No wow. <laughs> 92, yeah. yeah. Uh, Naked He's one Boy of the co-writers. Being one of them. <laughs> of the Hollywood, or the Hollywood, the Star Wars holiday special from 1978. Oh, wow. That's, yeah, See, that's that... part of, that's his brainchild. <laughs> A lot of Bette <laughs> Midler stuff, so I guess that's something, if, if you yeah. go that direction with your life. Uh, so yeah, Jared Leto, giant pile of shit in this movie, which is good, you know, early role for him, but it kind of, it kind of sets his, his path for, for the rest of his career where I'm going to hate every single thing that he does, whether it's music or, uh, film or what have you just existing. I don't like him, but on the flip side of that, Rebecca Gayhart is just incredible in this. Uh, Absolutely. Does she play like fucking dopey, uh, hot college girl? Fine. Yes, she does. But she's got the natural crazy eyes and she leans into it. And then at the end, oh, it's fucking beautiful. Rebecca Gayhart is a goddamn legend and she deserves all of our respect. And yeah, I, I just want to throw that out And also she actually killed someone. So, I mean, that's mm-hmm. got to go down to something for, for a slasher <laughs> movie antagonist. She gets yeah. she gets away with it and and even has a cameo in the second one. What how many uh, villains can do that? 
It's, it mm-hmm. is a great way. Yeah, she seems to get away with it in, in this movie and she just goes to another college. It's like this lady just keeps showing up at colleges for some reason. Like what's what's yeah. the drive there? But, you know, mm-hmm. well, if if you kill her lover in an urban legend related accident, she's going to kill you and your group of friends in various urban legend related themes and then move on to the next town. That's, I feel like yeah. she's, how I have changed she's a wandering the person. Because the first time I saw Urban Legends, I hated it, and I hated it because the killer reveal made no sense. Because obviously <laughs> the killer, like, fucking hefts full-grown oh. men up into trees and does all kinds of stuff, and uh, yeah. she's just not a very large lady. I, I don't think physically she could do that. No. That's a stupid reason to hate a slasher movie. That's like cop mentality. Oh, it's well, unrealistic. That's terrible. So I, I re-renounce Pre prior Jack's uh, dis dis uh, disapproval of the film on that thing. This is not the reason I hate it now. Now I hate it for all the other stuff I went into. It's it's literality and it's <laughs> lack of eeriness and it's fucking stupidity and it's just utter joyless fucking Listen, shit stain on on cinema kind of character. Rebecca Gayhart doesn't have traditional muscles. All of her strength is in her passion for murder and the volume <laughs> of her hair. That's where it comes mm-hmm. from. Hair is very so, good, yeah. uh, but I well, will say I'm, I'm an Alicia Witt person, but frankly, her career never, never took off the way maybe it should. I don't It's hard when you start with David Lynch, though. So, yeah, where are you going to go? Well, I'm not watching uh, this so, movie and going, boy, that Alicia Witt is such a great actress. <laughs> Why didn't no, she ever I get mean, to be fair, but she rarely got. I mean, what what's Alicia Witt's best performance? Is it in The Sopranos? She's in that great episode where, where she's an executive hooks up with Chris Moltisanti. I mean, that's. Maybe the best role she's gotten outside of being in David Lynch stuff. I don't know. She's in Citizen mm. Ruth as well. I haven't seen that in a while. Uh, but yeah. 88 minutes, anyone? Oh, God. I never Ooh. saw it. <laughs> it's way longer than 88 minutes, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's Indeed. a twist. Well, we and should probably bad. move on to the sequel to Urban Legend. Should which we? Is Urban Legend Final Cut, uh, which for my money, also a stone cold classic. And uh, I'm sure that that Jack loves this because it's basically everything Jack didn't like about the first movie. They got all of his notes and they said, great, let's only emphasize these points. (laughs) Pretty much. My first note for this movie is part two is the final cut. Fuck off. That's because you can't do final until three at the earliest. They can't even get that right. Christ. <laughs> this is great because it's well one the the cast immediately takes a hit. This somehow had the same budget as the first Urban Legend movie. Really? Uh, cast takes a major hit. Yeah, both 14 million dollar movies. Uh so you've got Jennifer Jennifer Morrison who is I don't even know, a poor man's Kirsten Dunst yeah. uh trying her best. Star you've of got House Joey MD. Lawrence who uh, convincingly plays like a dickhead Hollywood nepo baby producer guy, uh, but in a movie where he's supposed to be like twenty one, uh, I, I don't know. He spends as much time fleeing from the killer as his own hairline flees from his skull. It's it's pretty rough how fucking old he looks. Uh, and then you've got a young Eva Mendez and a young Anthony Anderson. Yeah, so, Eva Mendes playing a lesbian and nothing happens with that, yeah, which is which just is incredible, wild. incredible the achievement. First movie, the first movie is completely sexless, 
and fairly gore free. It is a solid like Jake. I know why you saw this as a kid, because it is very like cable friendly. It's it's the fucking afternoon. You just turned on TNT yeah. and it, it started 20 minutes ago and you're like, fuck it. I'm watching this. It, it, easy to edit for television. This one steps it up a little bit. There's an actual sex scene. Uh, there's, you know, like a decapitation pretty early on, some other things. So it, it, it steps it up. But yeah, somehow Eva Mendez is a, a hot lesbian in name only, and they don't go for the cheap thrills here. Uh, but the thing that I, I really love about this movie is it ultimately has very little to do with urban legends. And instead, it like doubles down on being a scream knockoff to the point where it's trying to out scream to scream to, I guess, in a way. And it's fucking maddening. Like the entire plot is. Uh, there's college kids at a, at a film school who are competing for the Hitchcock award <sighs> where if, if you win it, you're almost guaranteed to have a career in Hollywood. This is and a very real thing that exists for sure. For sure. And somehow, uh, you know, this film, these films are being sabotaged by someone and Big time spoiler alert. It's because one of the professors was salty that he never got a shot in Hollywood because he only got second place in the Hitchcock Awards. And so his plan was to kill a bunch of students and steal the best movie and claim it as his Ima own. Imagine like okay. in academia and murdering like a dozen people to steal someone else's work to then when you work plagiarize in a student could, film. Yeah, yeah, you can just steal <laughs> just plagiarize the film. You're the professor. You can just do that and get away with well, it. Yeah. It's easy. This happens all mm -hmm. the fucking time. Yeah, this you movie don't need just, a convoluted murder plot. You don't also, need to kill anyone. <laughs> have you ever fucking been in a film class and, st and seen a student film? <laughs> You don't want to yeah, steal so, it. Okay, I, I need to know. <laughs> I need to know what his plan was. Should he have succeeded? Everyone's dead. He now has this this new film re-edited with his name on the credits. What, mm -hmm. Was he just gonna show it to some producer he maybe knew and said, "Hey, I made this," and they're like, "Oh shit, we were wrong about you all along. Come into Hollywood, buddy. Here's a three picture deal." It was that yeah. like the That's ultimate goal. You win the Hitchcock Award, you get a three picture deal. He's an yeah, adult. He, he doesn't get the Hitchcock <laughs> Award. <laughs> He's gonna put on he's gonna put on a pair of fucking Jenkos and and like one of those little kid hats with the spinny top, but he's gonna be like, hey, I'm a teen. He's gonna become when Steve does his nerd voice, he's gonna become a literal manifestation of that guy and then submit <laughs> he's gonna submit student film to Hollywood. That's Hollywood yeah. has a you, those who don't know, Hollywood has a universal inbox where you can try your luck and submit and see if you're talented. And if it's yeah. good, they'll pick you. And he thought he it's had like some It's like writing gold. a letter to Santa Claus, right? It just it gets there. It's exactly the right. Pole. It has <laughs> that mailbox in the mall. It's the same deal. It's part, part of the conceit that I love about this movie. It's based in a film school, and everyone's trying to win this prestigious film award to get their Hollywood contract, and they're all making horror movies, which, as we all know, are certainly the films that draw... Uh, prestigious film awards to them. Everyone's like, man, well, he's going to make the next great slasher. a good way to get into the One business, guy, frankly. Uh, you know. Possibly. possibly. 
one guy starts out making a horror movie. It's a slasher on a plane, which is not any kind of legend I know of. It's just a guy killing people. And then our lead gal decides she's going to film a, a horror film, and it's going to be based on an urban legend. And he, that first director, who's a dickhead, but he's kind of like a red herring, he says, you stole my genre. Yeah, I like as that part. He, he's the only person who can claim horror as his thesis <laughs> film that can be up for the Hitchcock Award, which also, the Hitchcock Award, it kind of implies they should all be going, do making something suspenseful or something. I don't know. Well, they but, do later. Yeah, at, at another point in the film, they talk about horror or suspense. When she proposed, I'm going to make a, a movie that's like a horror movie, and it's like horror or suspense, as if those are mutually exclusive things. I, I'm <laughs> like, like as, as someone who's in a film school of some, uh, you know, renowned. I was just uh, amused that they started this with uh, the airplane. <laughs> I'm like, why is uh, they're supposed to be students in film school? They have this like fucking uh, have, yeah, yeah like they a have this airplane gimbal. fuselage. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Why? Why wouldn't they? I mean, uh, t the urban legend, by by the way, within that is basically a Twilight Zone reference, I believe. Yeah, just the monster yeah. on the wing. Um, yeah, yeah, which that classic. Okay, that's, that's what we're working with now. It's mm -hmm. just a steward with a knife. Which is also funny too, because this is um, <laughs> these urban legend films. Aside from ripping off Scream, they also start to dip their toes into another popular horror series that would pop up around this time which is uh final destination where if you mm. know the urban legend or the reference you're just sort of waiting to see how the machine works right because all of the and I, I like the final destination movies but they're all just uh they're just rube goldberg machines like somebody walks into a room and you see all these different objects and these different things and you're like okay How's the game of mousetrap going to work? How's it going to, you know, pan out? And with the urban legend, same thing. If you're familiar with the urban legend and you go, okay, I know this, but then how is it going to play out in the film? So it's just kind of a, it's a very dumb version of that. I yeah, I mean, it ba basically it pans out to here. It's just a guy gets stabbed like that. There's there's references again here. We have a peeping Tom over reference to that film. There's a few. I think there's an, another reference to blowout within this film as well. And it's kind of like, yeah. OK, cool. They're they're there, but they're not doing anything. They're certainly not commenting on those films. And again, it's just kind of like towards the end of this film, there's like one bit where the killer drops a gun or somebody, the, the killer drops their gun and there's a basket of prop guns and everyone's mm. scrambling, picking up guns, trying to find the real gun amidst the basket of prop guns. That's what this entire movie should have been, but they could only think of one movie joke. And that's, that's well, that There the was movie. the other one too, like leading into that, where the, because where the, it was a Joey Lawrence, he like hits him with the chair and the chair breaks, but it's a prop oh, chair. Oh, the breakaway <laughs> yeah. chair. And it's like, dude, and he, that's, that should have been the movie, but it isn't. That's one scene they were able to work out with that. Yeah. yeah. There, there are that, I, I actually like that scene a lot because one, the, all the guns on the floor thing is a good bit. Like it's just, sure. it's just fun and it's smart and it, and it, you know, adds a little bit of tension to, an otherwise silly movie uh but then and i love the callback too because yeah. we know that loretta divine's cop character loves coffee uh and pam greer so she's like yeah i had my my sidearm for my job like uh it, it, like gold hardware added to it and that's how the protagonist knows which gun is a real gun because she's able to grab that it's fucking great 
Yeah, um, how can you not love Chekhov's sure. gold-plated gun? That's because it's the one on. piece of authorship in the entire film, <laughs> essentially. Everything else in this is just a hodgepodge of generic parts. And there's, yeah, it's, there's it's not- two little flourishes I, I, I also really like. There's one where they hire this like pretentious cinematographer. His name is like Stormare or something, but he says, call me Simon. He's killed with an oversized lens and he's beaten to death on security camera footage. This is we should mention these first two films are shot in scope. And there's this amazing shot where his corpse is lying in the background and the lens rolls into frame. And I think it's like a split diopter shot with like his body being reflected off of the lens in one in one little one scene. I mean, that's kind of I thought that was kind of cool. The other one yeah. is when they watch the uh, like the super eight millimeter footage of the actress getting her keys off the set and the killer films him stabbing her. There's a quick little shot of Joey Lawrence. He lets, he's been a prick. He lets out this like tiny little smile and like that. He's like, Oh, I'm really enjoying this and having no idea that it's real. And it's like, Oh yeah, that's why we watch these movies because we get that entertainment from it. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's, you know, it's, I, I, I'm with, I'm with Steve. These movies are, these first two movies are fun. You yeah. see, again, you also, see, I think these are elements that they, they call back in. Yes, and I, I actually took a note of that as well. That is this kind of like audience element within it. But like I said, the film, there's no grander perspective. It's kind of this like hodgepodge of bits and pieces that are all pretty much off the rack. And that's why I'm just, I, I'm completely unmoved by this. Coupled in with, like I say, this kind of just total unerring literality to it. You know, causing, like it just calls in Hitchcock and then it's just everything is as it appears and on it. Like, what are you doing? And it, it's worth noting that this film is co-written. This is one of the earliest scripts by uh, Scott Derrickson, who has banned me or blocked me on Twitter. So, sorry, Scott. I actually <laughs> do enjoy some of your early work. I quite like Hellraiser 5, but you are difficult on twitter so sorry i made you mad one time <laughs> but uh, nonetheless he, he wrote this and i think adam you were talking about it that this is probably probably not the movie he wanted to write or not not the the film is not what he wrote i'm reckon there's probably a fair amount of additional work that he would have liked to have seen that just got like sucked into the the slasher factory and just this got shit out the other end yeah well, it, again, it's okay to be to be wrong, Jack. Uh, I, maybe maybe you prefer Dario Argento's, Argento's. Do you like Hitchcock? It's much better than this. You are correct. Yeah, <laughs> takes all. It's it's the Italian dupe of Urban Legends Final Cut. Frankly, um, I'm mean, even Dracula 3D is more interesting <laughs> than these films. That's oh, I, I I can't I can't I can't with that. No, that's not going to work for me. I'm sorry. I'm not saying it's good. Um, I'm just saying it's more interesting. <laughs> uh no i mean this this is a it's it's a perfect movie come on uh everybody loves urban legend final cut. one weird thing actually point out uh, urban legends one and two this is a really weird thing both of them are directed by guys who primarily work as mo- movie composers mm. and part two particularly he directed and wrote the 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 score for the movie which is really weird you don't hear a lot about director composers that's not a standard yeah, field i don't on. know how two in the same franchise came about that's really peculiar mm-hmm. it's almost like how pet cemetery is turned into the franchise for women directors even though they're all <laughs> fucking awful but anyway that'll come back yeah. in because guess who directed <laughs> I was just part saying, we're three about to have a speaking of which <laughs> uh before we get to that though i i do want to comment on the fact that 
you know, there's there's a real like Mad Libs style simplicity to the first urban legend uh, where, as I mentioned before, it's you've got the you've got the kills, you've got the urban legends and you, you line them all up. And then it's just a matter of connecting everything together. And then at the end, deciding who you want the killer to be, because in the first urban legend, I'm glad that it is who it is, but ultimately it doesn't matter. Like there's some clear red herrings, but also, you know, who it's going to be in this second one. It is just a fucking roller coaster of convoluted plot points. <laughs> like it's it's it really looks like a fucking wall on a conspiracy theorist's uh, house where they're just trying to like piece things together just to try and make the plot work. And I love specifically the fact that it just leans into being deeply anti-cop. So that they don't have to deal with the number of people who have been murdered or just disappeared because of the killer. And it's amazing because Loretta Devine is just going around and she knows that, like, you know, buildings are being broken into windows are being broken. People are being killed. She's got this girl who's like, I, I literally just watched someone get fucking axed to death. And she's like, well, the cops will never believe you. <laughs> it's amazing. So I, I really do enjoy that part of it. But uh, it also has what I can only call. Is it the greatest movie ending in, in the history of cinema? Perhaps yeah, it's, it's up there with a Getsu. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> it, and, it, and it sets up what would have been potentially an even stupider, like t completely transcendent. Third film. but. For whatever reason, even though both urban legends were extremely profitable, they decide to go direct to video. Now, the end of Urban Legend Final Cut is the, <laughs> the villain from the first movie hooks up with the villain from the second movie so they could like tag team <laughs> and just be like this axis of evil for doing urban legend murders, which would have been a perfect third movie for us but instead we get urban legend bloody mary wait wait uh, wait i'm back by the way where'd you go uh, I, i'm glad to see i was missed no my computer <laughs> my computer crashed uh but i'm back oh uh, great your computer rejected the urban legend franchise yeah i assume so i assume so yeah this is the urban legend of the uh naysayer dipshit getting his uh electricity cut <laughs> this, off this wow. will explain why when i threw that comment to you adam about uh, earlier i was mentioning how scott derrickson wrote urban legend 2 and i felt that this is probably not the movie he wrote that's i was expecting you to chime in because i think you had what we that was something you originally pointed yeah, out yeah but it's with dead like air, he, now he we know wanted, why. Well, maybe a cat Colin could fix this whole hash. I don't know. Uh, the point is, I think, yeah, he wanted it to be like a De Palma sort of thing. Like, you know, if Brian De Palma is directing this, it, it looks in a way that is homage and very much right. services the material. Uh, when John Ottman directs it, it, it looks like shit. And it is shit. Uh, the only other things I, I wanted to, to touch on that you guys may have is, is what the fuck was the point of the whole twin thing? <laughs> oh, uh, I love that too. Because again, that. it's just, it's just bullshit. But I think they did it because there was probably, uh, during the course of like script revision, it was, it was like, well, 
she can't just be running around by herself but with her lesbian friend because I think they were like afraid of the implication that these two girls were like romantically involved so then they're like well who's it going to be and they're like well there's this kind of weird connection uh maybe not quite romantic but romantic-esque between her and the the kid who allegedly kills himself the first murder in the movie and so it said they just took the same actor. They're like, I'm his twin. <laughs> Which, is Which you what assume I was is talking like, about. You assume well, would well, be like the finale, right? Like, oh, he wasn't dead. Like, this guy's not the fucking twin. It's like, no, he's just the twin. And this has nothing to do with the movie. It's just a completely no. bizarre and, and this is this is more of, and while you were gone, and I was singing this beautiful movie's praises, uh, it's more of the convoluted roller coaster ride that this script turns into and the way they contort themselves to try and make everything fit together. So you've got and the big pillars of this are fuck the police and secret twin, which are two incredible pillars to have propping your movie up. So once again, I don't know what the problem is, but I do understand why you guys don't like Urban Legend 3 Bloody Mary, because holy shit, this is a very classic example in my mind of in name only sequel. Uh, you, you don't have anybody coming back here. Uh, and it suddenly becomes a movie that is no longer grounded in reality the way that Scream is. It, it, it tries to shed some of that Scream knockoff shit for whatever reason. And instead, you just get an incredibly shitty, stupid supernatural horror film where the central premise is what if the bloody mary urban legend was actually real but then what do you have then just like shitty idiot candy man i i don't <laughs> what do you got uh, well yeah we have know. the explicit supernatural twist of of part three um yeah, I, I don't know, because it, it's Bloody Mary is the only urban legend element of it, but it's really weird because in this movie, Bloody Mary is also an agent of righteous revenge, which means you should play Bloody Mary. I'm not. I think yeah. so. Yeah, I think so. You have to for social justice. Um, very confusing <laughs> film on many, but I will say has by far and away the best kill in the entire franchise. Uh by leagues and, and miles, uh, the spider kill, and this is great, and as it, it comes from a supernatural thing, but it's a great, terrible CG, but a girl rips her own face off while spiders pour out of it, and honestly, it's mm -hmm. frankly, feels like a Lucio Fulci reference, if nothing else, it feels like an, an actual invocation of another or film, in a way Joe. that, yeah, <laughs> in the way that none of the other films have managed to successfully invoke the, the spirit of, a, of another film or a forebear. Part three kind of uh -huh. does. Unfortunately, everything that surrounds it is, uh, pretty dull um and not, yeah, well, not really and in great. this instance it's like <laughs> the the bloody mary ghost is using urban legends to do murders is that i guess <laughs> like, is she she's she's just yeah. like committed to a theme she's like i can't just like normal kill people i have to commit to the theme of all the urban yeah. legends or it's like a it's like a fucking like cartoon universe where all of these things exist together. She's, I don't fucking she's know. using it, it's a little convoluted. She's using the payoffs of urban legends to kill people. So like with the spider thing, usually that's like you if you choose. I think the it's like bubble yum was the legend that had spider eggs in it. And if you chewed yeah. 
bubble yum, the spiders would then grow in your flesh. She skips the gum part and then just has spiders come out of the flesh. Well, so, no, this is the, a, it's a scary story to tell in the dark. And that's also, also a sequence in that new movie, I think, but Urban which is also not yeah. good. But uh, see it. yeah, it's it's the spider bite, and she thinks it's a pimple, and blah blah blah. Spiders come out. I I don't think it yeah. it, it escalates to, to no a no. Horde this one really brings it up when she smashes her head through the mirror and gets two yeah. big bits of glass stuck in her face. That's where I was like, oh, this is actually something this is an escalation like this is genuinely in a vein of horror that's you know mm. notable but like i say that's also, literally the only time in this entire podcast slate that i was actually like looking at the screen with even the vaguest sense of interest i i love a classic bit where a guy just gets fucking roasted into oblivion by a tanning bed too that's a fun one yeah, i and like uh, that one because <laughs> yeah the girls just talking on the phone it's like how bad would that have to smell and also what f- function on a sunbed goes that high but whatever but it doesn't I, uh, really the mean. thing i like the most about it is it, i feel like this should have been an urban legend uh but there when, when i was growing up in my hometown there was a place because i i don't think do people fucking go to tanning beds anyway it used to be like a really big thing in the early 2000s like they're still all around the high school here. girls would do it well, yeah, they have I mean, like yeah. those uh, UV beds and one like in the planet fitnesses of the world, which I'm sure. Yeah, I, I don't think they're as cancery as as they right, once yeah, were, yeah. maybe. Or people are getting the spray. T- I don't fucking know. But anyways, yeah. in my little hometown, there was a tanning place and the owner of the tanning place also owned a beef jerky outlet store which was attached to the tanning place. Like you could walk into one door and walk into the other. And it was just like, this is the worst optics I've ever fucking seen. Cause all <laughs> I could think incredible. of all these like fucking crispy skin girls that I went to high school with. And I'm like, do they just fucking scrape the beds when they're done? That should have been an urban legend. Uh, but yeah, un- unfortunately uh, both businesses went under. Uh, so the the you know crispy you, wonder, crispy you gotta wonder which tanning. business there. was keeping the other one afloat longer like truly <laughs> i got i got news for you steve there is an urban legend uh about tanning beds it's a uh-huh. bride who wants to look good before her wedding and wants to get a nice tan goes uh-huh. to the salon and they only let her go in there for 30 minutes a day and her wedding's coming up fast so what does she do she goes and hits every salon in town in one day and on her wedding night, her husband complains that she smells weird. Then she goes to the doctor and finds, oh, yeah, you cooked all of your internal organs and you're going to die in six weeks. Good luck. Oh, delicious. Yeah, yeah indeed. <laughs> I mean, I like to take away this is you could cook a turkey in one of those things. And that seems like maybe an interesting option. I was going to say, why not? Just like I, I would probably toss her immediately in the deep freeze, and then you know when you're ready for her, just kind of like sous vide her entire body, right? Like, or what? What if it was like a Korean barbecue place where you tan while you're eating, and then you just lay the mm. meat out onto the strips of light, and then yeah, as you're chewing on it, you're uh, getting a nice, uh, nice base going. See, this sounds like a business idea, uh, Jake. Maybe we should write up a little business proposal and uh, try and get a loan for this because I think you're out of something. Sh- <laughs> we should turn these urban legends, yeah, into business ideas. That's the that's the real money <laughs> into restaurants. Yeah, pop the pimple and eat delicious live spiders. Uh, Indeed. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, this one was tough too because uh, part three, direct to video, so you get you get the budget cuts, and I, I think urban legend and urban legend two. You can argue whether or not aesthetically they they are the right fit for the material, 
but they're pretty slick in and they're definitely shot like a scream movie like a late 90s studio slasher um this one the third one in the grand scheme of direct-to-video films from this era it's probably on the pricier flashier side and there are some moments where you're like oh wow that's pretty inspired but on the whole we're, we're kind of slumming it at this point <laughs> which doesn't do it any favors i think it was really also, good as this opens with the 19 it opens in like 1969 and if you don't have a budget period settings are a really dicey proposition <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it really shows up first thing it's like oh it's 1969 it's like no it isn't is it is it yeah <laughs> there's there's a few things if you, if you have a limited budget I would say, uh, you know, general rules of thumb, no kids, no animals, no period settings, and uh, try to keep it to a limited number of uh, locations. Interior helps. You know (laughs) what I really appreciate about this movie? No one is dressed in a fucking fencing mask. So it's got that going. That that is, it does have that going for it. (laughs) True. It's also Rooney Mara's uh, film debut. I'm trying to remember oh, if I've seen Kate any Mara? movies she's in. Well, it's... Kate Mara's also in it, but no, her sister Rooney's also in it as oh, like is a. She? I didn't even yeah, know apparently. This. I don't really know who these people are, but I've heard of them. So, <laughs> this is the whole thing. Um, so, if that's interesting to you, obviously, uh, Bloody Mary, you're going to have to check that out. Oh, she um, plays classroom mm. girl number one. Big she role. does. I believe wow. she has a line of dialogue, though, but I didn't bother <laughs> to rewind to check because I don't care. But if you care, please. By by all means, go track this one down. Um, I don't know where it's available. Uh, just probably around somewhere. I don't know. Ah, uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't remember where we watched it. Maybe it was online. Maybe not. <laughs> no, not really. One thing this movie does do, which I I enjoyed as a a, a really great thing, is it opens with a, a girl slumber party with a bunch of girls who are all like seniors in high school. Um, and they're not even in a bedroom, which I thought was really weird. They're just in the living room and they're all in like, they're kind of like full pajamas with like kind of like skimpy tops. And then they start kind of half-heartedly hitting each other with pillows now and then. It's a very, very half-hearted recreation of a, of a basic kind of like male fantasy, um, which is really funny because this is directed, like we mentioned, by Mary Lambert, uh, who you think might might have just like nixed that because it really doesn't look like anyone wants to do it. But so be and she picked this movie because <laughs> she says she picked this movie in part because it has a uh, date rape is a, a central part of the plot of this film and it, it raises awareness of date rape. Uh, which is it makes it even funnier to throw in like really cheap crass sex material that isn't even sexy that's just kind of goofy i don't know maybe maybe there's a one over on the producers maybe they're like yeah you gotta do this and she did it so shittily that it's just kind of like completely useless that also, i guess that's kind of movie, a win doesn't this movie go out of its way to say that no one was ever raped <laughs> Like no no no, whether this was just a prank. Yes, they uh, do. They they do do that. Yes, they drugged. This, this uh, Bloody Mary was was drugged and held captive for a bit, but it was fine. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, but I think what struck me was that this is like the exact same setup as uh, Exorcist Believer. I was like, what the fuck? It's the same movie. The, the, these kids are up to their. Their playground shenanigans and just mysteriously disappear for weeks and then return haunted. I'm like, this is the same. It's the same movie. And just to I'll tell you, tell you one thing. I, I see. I would disagree on that. This is shorter 
than the Nexus Believer. I would say and not it does quite have the as spiders. shitty. Yeah, it does have yeah, the spiders. Yeah. So I would say not not as shitty as um as Exodus Believer, but I would have a hard time recommending anyone go track this one down. Even though this one is interesting because it starts with the spider thing, a kind of a full she referencing that carries through to a fourth film that only I watched. I was going to say, we we should probably, uh, before we (laughs) wrap up, why don't you give us a a quick three minutes on your extracurricular work On my extracurricular work, yeah. So it turns out there was plans to make another urban legend movie, um, and that got converted into a film from 2007 called Ghosts of Goldfield, which is really just a shitty found horror project at this point, um, with the sub-zero budget, it's like absolute, just tr- like, it just looks like every other bit of dreck you found, like, streaming on fucking Freevee or whatever. Um, and it's really, really terrible, but one of the central plot points to it, and it does have Roddy Piper in it, so that's something. He delivers an impassioned mm. monologue to camera at one point, and it makes you realize that he is, without question, the most experienced actor in the entire film. And it's a little bit awkward at that point, because you kind of feel bad for him, but also... Uh, it is what it is. But um, yeah, it, the central plot of this one is that there's seven portals to hell and this hotel is built in one, which is full. She's fucking the beyond. So it's weird. We have two of those back to back in the latter half. And you do wonder if like if they made Urban Legend 5, would it just be, you know, like Zombie 2? Because that would be something. Uh, but yeah, really shitty movie. Uh, but also weird because, uh, again, tons of period settings. He had even less money than Urban Legend 3, they decided, let's really lean into period settings, which is a really bad idea. So what they did was they used this really shitty digital filter that looks like trash and makes half the movie unwatchable, which is a really smart move. But uh, over the weekend, I watched, uh, just happened to see uh, The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, which is a much better film than any of the ones we've discussed today. And Roger Deakins, the director of photography, was present and he chatted a little bit after the film and it was very, very pleasant and nice. And one of the things he brought up was his Deaconizer, which was a specific lens he developed for for that film, which basically recreated the look of a pinhole camera, which had these kind of like RE and kind of not just an optical effect in terms of blurring the outer extremities of the image and so on, but also had this chromatic aberrations that would cause these color issues and things. And they use it throughout jesse james to to various effects he actually regrets he feels they should have used it more but um it was just interesting this this kind of like come together overlap because uh i realized the shitty digital filter in uh, ghosty goldfield looks a lot like that and i was like is this a thing the director of this <laughs> shitty movie is trying to recreate the look of pinhole photography and his because it's set in the wild west it's set in like frontier america those period elements like he's actually had that same thought because here's where it gets really weird is that ghosts of gold of goldfield came out like six months before assassination of jesse james premiered at Ooh. venice so this came first and is using the shitty filter to look shitty and then assassination of jesse james is roger deacon's doing all kinds of lens crafting and custom lens to make his movie look shitty but not actually look interesting but really weird in the same year they there's this weird overlap that's the most interesting thing about the movie uh, you don't have to watch it i wouldn't recommend it jake found it on a, a fucking street it's streaming for free with without commercials <laughs> not even wow. no one's even looking for money on a site called like runtime which is a, has a bunch of horror movies on it that look 
like the just shitty like Amityville late like later era Amityville sequel movies like that like just literally the most bargain basement films that are like at the when people say AI could direct a movie these are the movies they're talking about like I think competently in five years time AI will actually be able to make those movies and they will effectively be about as good um so yeah go to Goldfield don't watch it don't watch any of these they all fucking suck go watch a real movie yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we, we should probably wrap things up. Uh, do you need to revisit the Urban Legend films? Uh, maybe not, but I, I think there's some fun to be had with the first two. And then at that point, why not finish the trilogy? At the very least, you will see a man die by dick incineration after peeing on an electric fence, which we know is 100% true and not an Urban Legend at all. So uh, with that, Jake, what are you putting over this week? Yeah, I'm going to put over uh, a little movie by one Jerry Lewis, and uh, it's called The Ladies' Man, and I'm going to make it really easy. Just go back and find the OV episode where you guys covered The Ladies' Man, and listen to that, because I'm sure it'll sing a lot of the same praises I have to say about it. On top of being really damn funny, it's also a beautifully constructed film, unlike most things I've ever seen. And uh, yeah, that, uh, that Jerry Lewis was one funny guy. And a great director, and uh, I'm sure he had good thoughts about women. But um, yeah, The Ladies' Man, check it out, 1963 or whenever. Uh, that's my put over for the week. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, have, have you watched Cracking Up slash Smorgasbord yet? N- no, I have. I have like all his directed stuff queued up to go. That's the I'm real just, shit, man. That's that's the yeah. fucking Diesel. That's the uncut Jerry. If if I you really wait. anybody out there, if you really want to get fucking Jerry pilled dive into that <laughs> it's amazing although i actually don't dive watch a few of his movies first if you're like yeah this is my shit like if you watch ladies man you're like this is brilliant but i want this to be a thousand times more intense watch cracking up that'll ch- that'll, that'll change you uh, Myers, what are you putting over this week i don't fucking watch anything man i'm gonna put over uh, <laughs> a classic film for all you uh, valentine's day enthusiasts on our valentine's episode here uh, from the director of Urban Legend, if you love this slop, I'm I'm sure you're gonna love yourself. Uh, 2001's Valentine, right? I mean, that's that's right in the same wheelhouse. Have I ever seen it? No, but I guarantee, if you are a, a Jake or a Steve and you love ingesting this complete trash, uh, you know, it's it is the mm. season. Tis the season. How, uh, fucking have you, have you fucking seen that movie? No. Have you seen Val? Okay, no. yeah, you would. I don't think you'd be recommending it. Uh, no, well, I mean, maybe. I can I'll, pretty I'll, much. He's recommending with some heavy caveats here. <laughs> uh, Steve, I just recommended it. You may not have heard me, but I recommended Valentine. <laughs> that you know, Valentine is uh, it, it's it's one of two movies that I've I've taken a girl on a date to where I I did not get a second date. <laughs> so it's a, well, it's a good blame one. the movie. Yeah, <laughs> Val- Valentine and, and Queen of the Damned, both, uh, both were not. <laughs> it's incredible happy. you would return to a whole podcast of movies from a guy who cock blocked you. That's real big, <laughs> <you>, Steve. <laughs> uh, Jack, what are you putting over this week? I, you know, I'm gonna put over because I finally caught it. A uh, new movie, Jonathan Glazer's The Zone of Interest. Uh, it's. It's really fucking good. The more I think about it, the more I think it's it's really, really fucking good. 
uh, and it's worth catching in cinema if you have a chance because it is a rare film where the sound design is genuinely integral to the conception of the whole product. I mean, sound design's fun and cool, and it's nice when you hear sounds out in the distance, but for the most part, it's a gimmick, and uh, mono is fine. And 99.9% uh, .9 of cinema does not need more than one channel of sound, and it doesn't matter, and if you disagree with me, you're wrong. But uh, Zone of Interest, actually, it's important what they do there, and it's a really tremendous film. So, yeah, check it out. It's, uh, it's genuinely good. It's nominated for Oscars, and it's good. This is confusing to me, but it happens sometimes. Wow. And we won't be talking about that for our Oscar episode, because we're not those kind of people. No, of course not. What are we going to talk about? Who knows? We, I we think don't we have know. amazing Oscar episodes, uh, including last year where we just didn't do one. That was the ultimate <laughs> That was the best one of all. That was the best one of all, yeah. Oh, we're going to think of something stupid. We're going to have to... Uh, I think I'm going to have to call up Alistair. I call him up like I'm going to go to a fucking payphone. I'm going to go to one of those like fucking big red British payphones and call his fucking British ass and get him back on the show. Uh, now, we'll think of something good. Don't worry. We just haven't thought of it yet. Hey, Steve, what are you putting over? Thanks for asking, Steve. I'll tell you. Uh, got a new book. It's called Handheld Hell, The Outbreak of Homemade Horror. It's all about the uh, conception and evolution of shot on video horror films. It's great. It's got write-ups of, I don't know, like 50 sh uh, SOV horror films. And it's got a shitload of pictures and behind-the-scenes stuff. It's, it's really fucking cool. Uh, I got it from uh what is, where's what they call oh terror vision terror vision got it from them along with the linnea quigley horror workout blu-ray so that's that's available too if, if anybody wants to get in shape maris you want to do some fucking cardio with me i probably should yeah we can we can smoke cigarettes while we do it yeah <laughs> linnea quigley horror workout better slasher than anything we've discussed in this episode <laughs> We'll see. We'll see. I'm going to give it a watch. I'll let you know. Uh, but anyways, if you enjoyed the show this week, do us a favor. There's a link to our Patreon in the description, and that link will take you to our Patreon page where you can give us money. And why would you want to give us money? Well, a couple reasons. One, if you live in the continental United States, I will send you a movie from my collection, a Blu-ray, a DVD, a box set, something. I, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but I uh, put some new shelves in my office because, you know, some people think that if you run out of space on your shelves for movies, that means you have a problem and you should probably address the fact that you have too many movies. But in my world, it just means buy bigger shelves, which is exactly what I did. Uh, but in that process, I got a couple of things where I'm like, oh, I upgraded this to 4K or Blu-ray or whatever. Uh, or there's just a few things where I'm like, why the fuck do I even own this? And so <laughs> that why the fuck do I even own this could be yours one day there's also some actually like genuinely good shit in my box of stuff to give to patrons so you get a fucking movie in addition to that movie you get access to our patreon exclusive feed which has special patron only episodes as well as a huge back catalog of written content and podcasts that you can only get if you're an optimism vaccine patron now you want to upgrade a little bit you get to that $5 level because you're a fucking ride or die and we appreciate you. You get a couple of extra perks. One, you get to vote in our patron polls, which is how we choose some episodes. Very exciting. Also, you get your name right out on the air. 
What an honor. Myros, who are those five and above patrons right now? Uh, we have David, Evan, Ryan, Dustin, and Paula. Wonderful people. Every single one of them. And of course, if you're like, fuck all this shit, I just want to tell you guys what to do. Maybe you love us. Maybe you hate us and have a little bit of disposable income. $25. You donate $25. You get to pick an episode. Anything you want. Anything. It's amazing. And people have asked, they're like, can I, can I do $25 and then just bump myself down to something else? Yes, of course. Of course. But if you want an episode, 25 bucks, we'll do whatever the fuck you want. That's exciting. Other than that, if you have any questions, comments, death threats, marriage proposals, optimismvaccine at gmail.com, or you can find us on social media. We're probably on all the social medias, wherever. Mostly just Twitter, but you know, whatever, man. Uh, with that, Jake, last word's yours. Fuck teaching. Fuck teaching.